the Sully Dog Blues and Roots, uh, we're talking with uh, Tracy McNeil from her band, Tracy McNeil on The Good Life, about their new album, it's called Thieves. Take me to the moment when we die Cause we'll be sitting pretty for the big ride Welcome uh, Tracy McNeil uh, from Tracy we'll McNeil and The Good Life the uh, Fantastic new album you've released called Thieves and um, a lot of questions I could ask you about it but uh, why did you call it Thieves? <laughs> oh, oh, thanks a lot. I'm, I'm, glad you're, uh, I'm glad you're enjoying it. It's great to get some feedback. You know, you get stuck in a hole making this stuff. It's great, great to finally get it out there. And um, I think, look, the title, I, I, I kind of knew I wanted to call it Thieves right off the bat. Uh, nothing to, you know, regardless of whether the title track, I didn't even want to point people in the direction of that as a title track per se. But uh, I just thought it fit. It fit. I feel like a lot of time has been robbed, a lot of people a lot of loss this that year last year when I was making the record a lot of feeling things are being stolen from me you know yes. uh, not literally of course but metaphorically and in terms of people and perhaps even inspiration you know dealt with a bit of writer's block before making this record so a lot of relationships crumbling around me so look there was a lot going on a lot to draw from it and I'll kind of fit that that theme I think really well or this the word you know yeah, yeah. Well, it, it's, um, it's it is a great album. I'm sure you get uh, you get lost in the middle of it and you can't see uh, see it. But it, it's some great materials on here. I, I marked a whole lot of tracks that are great and played a, a couple already on the show, obviously. And um, look, um, you, you mentioned loss there. So um, last year you you went to Canada and um, you lost your father too. I understand, and um, he had a big influence on you. Yeah, I did. Um, you know, I went there for three months to spend time with him. He had uh, lung cancer. And so we knew that, you know, he didn't have a lot of time left, but we weren't sure how much exactly we, we were talking, you know, whether I'd, I guess in my mind, I thought I'd fly back to Australia, you know, uh, three months later, and then I'd probably have to deal with him passing away at some point after that, and whether I go back and all the logistics, you know, you kind of puts your, uh, puts the, the notion of time into perspective. But uh, he ended up passing away while I was there at the very end of my trip, just before I headed off to Nashville uh, to go play music. So I was over there visiting him, spending as much time as I could, trying to write an album, um, playing some solo shows, which I don't normally do. So, look, I was out of my comfort zone in so many ways, you know, um, out of my day-to-day routine here in Melbourne. And so all of that, and then in, in conjunction with the the kind of grief and what I was dealing with with dad certainly played heavily into into the record in terms of its themes for sure yeah yeah I, look I can understand that and um I guess um these these things do happen you can hear me okay now yeah I can I can because I've put yeah. earphones on too and I'm just fiddling around here um Shane O'Mara produced the album and um how, how far does your um your contact with the Shane O'Mara go back um, well, yeah, I reckon, I mean, it was quite a co-production, I'd say. Um, we, we really met in the middle on it. And Shane's an incredible, look, he's such an incredible guitarist and engineer and producer, you know, like he just, the sounds he gathers, the idea he's got, the ideas he comes up with are just fantastic. And um, that's why we wanted to work with him. I worked with him 
Hmm, let me think. I did a Lucinda Williams tribute evening. He got me on board to do that. And uh, I'd, you know, I'm friends with Sal Kimber. He's made a lot of her records and I just love the sound he gets. Uh, he's, you know, my partner, Luke Sinclair, his guitarist, you know, Nick O'Mara, Raised by Eagles. It's his, it's his uncle, you know, or cousin or something. So, like, there's so many ties to Shane, but yet we hadn't really done anything together until we did the Lucinda Williams tribute night. Oh, and a Rolling Stones cover. You got me on board to do that, some recording of Rolling Stones material. And that's the first time we actually worked together in a recording studio, and I just laughed my ass off the entire time. He's so funny, such a character. Yeah. And we, we hit it off so well. And, I'm like, I, and he mixed my – I got him to mix my last record, Nobody Ever Leaves. Right. And so we he mixed it and that was you know I went this is I want to track with Shane now this is mixing's one thing but let's you know I'd love to just make an album with him. Yeah. So that's kind of where it started is mixing my last record and then through that doing these kind of performance evenings and recording sessions for the Rolling Stones tribute um compilation. Yeah. And yeah, and he's just amazing. So we co-produced it because we had really you know there's five of us in the band making you know, it's quite a democracy in terms of how we want it to sound. Certainly not a dictatorship. I don't tell them what to play. Yeah. I bring the songs pretty close to fully formed uh, as far as structure goes. But um, when it's, you know, they've got ideas or a tone they want to get in the guitar or a riff they want to come up with, whatever, um, far be it for me to, 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 to not go along with their ideas because we're all coming from such a similar musical place. Yeah. It's a really trusting environment so we had very strong ideas about what we wanted it to sound like and and how we wanted to make the record and we kind of met Shane in the middle and knew that sonically he was going to get what we were after yeah and um our approach to the process is very different like the way Shane wanted to do it and the way we wanted to do it was very different but we did have a happy medium find a way in the middle and um he's amazing yeah he's amazing so you cut it right down Turned all the love around But when the boat starts sinking It's too late for thinking So you settle and you're going down And it's far away Yeah, we're talking with uh, Tracy McNeil on the Silly Dog Blues and Roots About her new album with her band The Good Life It's called Thieves uh, Here's a track That'll reach you, lose you I'll be waiting at the bottom as a friend and a little belief You want to cross that line Want to leave the world behind One moment to the week Howling around the band The next you just can't die Try to make it all light Soak it up with a big old rat Ringing out each moment as it slips away Without ever looking back He says we only get one One chance to get it all done Move among stars, talk shit in bars Trying to make something last Move among stars, talk shit in bars Trying to make something last That's the way of the world Look, your earlier album, um, Nobody Ever Leaves, um, won 
a lot of praise around the place. People saying it's a, I think, uh, was it Martin Jones said, a fully formed Americana or, or old country or something like that. Um, and yet this album uh, has taken it a bit further. Um, so how different, in your mind, is, is uh, this new album Thieves from the earlier one? I think it kind of picks up where the last one left off. I, th- I think I, that last record I was just starting to kind of dabble a bit more into pop sensibility and finding that kind of, you know, allowing that influence of that kind of West Coast, real tight, clean sound, a bit pop to kind of come through, you know, the Fleetwood Mac and, the, yeah. you know, Jackson Brown, Dawes is a band I love, an American band, the Contemporaries. Yeah. And, you know, I just, I'm just in love with that sound and grew up on that sound and the bands that are doing that now, Houndmouth, you know, Shovels and Rope are a lot grittier, but the way, you know, the way Americana is kind of forming today and yeah. bands like Dawes who really draw from that Jackson Brown, Eagles-esque kind of vibe, no, no, all of us in the band were listening to that same music and, and have grown up on that same music. And so it felt natural. It was a real, we've got a different lineup yeah. than the last record. So it just naturally fell into place that this is what it was going to sound like. We were listening to this stuff. We've been influenced by the same artists and we wanted to make a record that, you know, we, we knew kind of how we wanted it to sound. So, um, yeah, I think it's more fully realised as far as... I think it's more cohesive, perhaps. I don't know. Who am I to say? But in the last record, I think, you know, we've... You know, having said that, actually, now I think Ashes is quite a country song. Yeah. But um, I don't know. I just think I'm the writing's stronger. You just get better, you know, with age. <laughs> Experience. It's a personal album. It's a really personal album, perhaps more so than the last one. And the singing is stronger. We've got, you know, Dan and Luke now sharing harmony duties and guitar monies. Like the whole, sc- the scope of the band is just broadened with this play and back and forth between Dan and Luke on guitar. Yeah. Um, th- we didn't have that in the last band. It was very much, you know, my guitar, amazing guitarist, Maddie Green, and Luke was really just rhythm and never stepped over that line into any interplay, call, yeah. call, call and response. And since we've started doing that, it's changed the, the dynamic of the live shows as well. And it's just become so fun. So, yeah, it's a bigger sound and it's a little bit and, and it's definitely, I think, more fully realized because we're taking some risks and utilizing the people in the band for, and they're drawing on their strengths. Yeah, look, look the, the band, uh, as it was before, was a, a pretty powerful uh, live, the last time I saw you live. Um, but uh, you've got Dan Parsons in this band. Um, yeah, Who's yeah. a great songwriter in his own right. Yeah, he is, he is. So I've got, you know, both Dan and Luke of Raised by Eagles and yeah. Dan Parsons, Dan Parsons. I mean, yeah, it's very, it's kind of rare, I think, to have two <laughs> so great songwriters on either side of you, you know, so... There's essentially three front people in the band, so yeah. you can imagine. And, and it, it could get out of hand in terms of ego, but it never does. I think they both really enjoy just being in a project that they don't have. There's a there's a freedom that comes with not having to bear the weight of being that front person. And I think they both really enjoy that a lot. Yeah. Because they're not frustrated because they've got it in spades in their own project. So it's a pretty unique uh, situation and for me as a songwriter I trust their ideas like if I bring a song in and say I'm not sure about the bridge you think this is working you think it, you know maybe should we do another chorus here whatever I'm going to totally trust their ideas and their input so that is comforting for me as a band leader as well yeah for so, sure and, and, and I guess you wrote all the songs on this album so uh, that was a feat to, to keep it uh, 
I guess yes. all, all your own material. <laughs> yeah. In search for inspiration, the songwriter's age in her beds. Shining a light into the dark of the valley floor. The songwriter picks up a pencil and hums a tune behind closed doors. dream of kind of stepping in or taking over or they're really there to support I guess my vision and and bring it to life and fully realize it and um so it's a democracy but they you know uh there's a lot of respect going on between all of us we respect each other's idea and give them I give them so much space to create because it would never sound like it does if I didn't you know who am I to tell guitarists what to play on your guitar? Forget it, you know? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but no, they don't feel the need to kind of take over and, you know, tell, tell me to scrap a song. Or yeah, yeah I understand that. The the, uh, the, the songs, um, the one I last played, I played on the show was called The Valley, which are very uh, Laurel Canyon-esque um, harmonies in there. And and you mentioned before um, uh, Jackson Brown and that kind of stuff, which I've always associated with sort of West Coast pop, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is a, which is a bit of a divergence from uh, what would be old country Americana. I don't know. They all sort of blend in. Yeah. Um, but um, I guess there is a lot more pop sounds in this sort of thing. Um, and and I guess from what you were saying, that was deliberate. Although it's not all all the case. So no. take us through a couple of the songs here about. Um, uh, we'll start off with that one, the valley. Uh, what it means to you, and 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 uh, and, and where it came from. Well, I, I mean, I think that one. I mean, I find that one. It's interesting. It's kind of the most raw in a sense. And we went right back to acoustics. There's only Luke does a kind of drone-like atmospheric electric guitar with heavy delay and reverb, but it's Dan and I on two acoustics and just back to basics and harmonies. And Susanna Espy provides the third harmony in there. She guests on that one. Yeah. And th- it's just a really stripped back, real kind of feel. That's the one that feels really kind of in the heart of Americana to me, that one a yeah. little bit. doesn't feel – there's not much pop sensibility in that one, I don't find. But um, that one came – it was kind of the one that sparked the whole record. I had a couple songs rattling around in the case when I went to Canada, few, you know, ideas, but not fully shaped. And I only had one song completed, which was middle of the night. I had that written for about six months and we'd been playing it in our live shows. And I kind of was stumped and I had a few ideas that I'd written on the piano, actually, which I'm a terrible pianist. So it just was marking chords and getting melody ideas. And it wasn't until I sat down and my parents have a, my mom and my stepdad have a recording 
studio in in the basement. So I just squirrel away down there and use the piano and try to nut out some songs. And I picked up one of Dad's old guitars that I was given on that trip, uh, J55, 1970, 71, I think. We're not sure of the year. Yeah. But it was his cousin's guitar in, in the band Fargo that he was in the 70s. So I was really excited. That was going to be my guitar to, to do my solo shows in Canada with. And so I just started just playing on that that guitar in the basement and the valley came really quickly. And it's a simple chord progression that I'd done since I was in my 20s, yeah. mucking around with guitar. And I went, oh, let's, let's go back to this old chord progression that I love. It's a really simple thing. And I don't know. And it just all came flooding in. And I guess it was written out of frustration. To me, it's writer's block. It's a... <laughs> song about not having inspiration and sitting down in this cold floor in the basement trying to come up with something and knowing I want to go back to make a record. But it's it just a weird headspace too. You know, I'm dealing with going to see my dad every day and trying to, oh, look, it was, it, it was nuts. It was nuts. So, but that song came almost fully in one shot, like, which is how you, I like it when that happens. Yeah. And you usually know it's a good one when that does happen. You don't have to labor over it. But it really did come in that one night. I got all the verses, all the courses, bang, done. And that kind of sparked the rest of the record, the flow. It kind of broke the seal. Like, sure. your, you know, your first <laughs> first time you go to the toilet at a party. <laughs> so, yeah. Is, is um, you know, is your sort of uh, songwriting stream of consciousness, do you think, or...? Is it is it a is a engineering project? Like some people sort of bolt them all together and then end up with a song. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to name names, but um, <laughs> mm. that does happen. Or, or do you find that most of your songwriting you just sort of push it and then all of a sudden it gushes out? Yeah, I reckon that I, it's more stream of consciousness, like you said. I think when I have to start working at something too hard, uh, I usually kind of you know. It, 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 it's not that fun. I mean, it does happen. Sometimes you get three quarters of it and then you've really got to use your craft to yeah. try to get the, finish it off. And that does happen. That's not to say I don't go back and I could I could think a song's great but hate two lines that bug me and they shit me forever and I've got to go back, oh, I'm going to change that line, change that line. Yeah. And often you do. Sometimes you're lazy and you don't. But um, it's mostly it's going to flow in, in, in a pretty good chunk. Um, or not, like, you know, a song like... Um, blueprint i wrote in la we were there for a few days before heading back to australia yeah just looking out over the hollywood hills from our apartment window and it just the smog and the hills and palm trees and just i don't know the sense of stillness the sense of uh space this kind of eternal like i was in like a time warp you know and and in that i guess i was in limbo too i was i was about to go back as soon as i flew back to australia that's then that's the real closure. I'm gone. Dad's gone. I'm back in my country where I'm living, you know, my second home. And um, so I was in this kind of weird suspended reality. And that song, the melody, not all the lyrics, but the melody and the concept and the theme and the chorus came kind of just just flew over the hills right at me. Like it's weird. That, that one came pretty quickly and I just recorded it onto a phone. And then went back and tried to figure out, well, what's this story about? And, and then use my craft, I guess you could yeah. say. You grew secrets in my ears. And we turned them into night. Underneath the blanket of bright stars. Yeah, on the Solid Dog Blues and Roots, we're talking with Tracy McNeil from uh, Tracy McNeil and the Good Life. About her new album, Thieves. Here's a track. 
So I count the time we've given on the fingers of one hand Forever's just a place inside my mind Finally close enough it's you I'll find So don't count on eight days I'd forever It's where I stay Flesh it out. Yeah, you can always be like Dylan, just change it every time you play it. But um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh God, I know. Well, I'm too, I'm too forgetful. I'd st- if I change the melody, I'd just lose the plot completely. It just shambles. <laughs> I rely on that constant um, consistency. Yeah. Yeah. Look, look, and you're Canadian-born um, and settled in Australia. Um, Where's your heart now? I mean, um, you, you you sort of are moving more towards Australia, or you settled here for good, or how has it fit with you? Well, I think um, I really feel like I've got uh, two homes. You know, I really do. You know, when I do go back to Canada, I call it home. I'm going home. Yeah. Uh, I guess my blood and you know my bloodlines there. My family heritage, my, uh, you know, the geography I grew up with, the friends I have, they're all there. Uh, but it's not long that I'm there that I feel I miss here. And, and this is my home and I want to come back. So got quite my family here and, you know, my husband and a beautiful sure. stepdaughter and a great band and, uh, you know, job and friends and, you know, built in, I'm kind of really fully immersed into the culture. And so it's, I really, I feel lucky I've got two and, it's a blessing and a curse, of course, because you're never financially. Oh, I'm not, you know, rich where I can just fly back every couple months. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it. There are definitely it's in two places, that's for sure. Yeah, well, that, that's interesting. I mean, and how how would you compare the um the the music scene that you're involved with, say, in Australia to Canada and the US? I don't know much about the. I mean, the US. I mean, it's funny, you know. We after going through all this drama with um losing dad and this other stuff going on and family and stuff and then we literally had to kind of pull the ripcord and get to nashville and we went and did the americana music um festival uh raised by eagles did a showcase and we were doing the sounds australia and so it was just like into launching into music land you know yeah, yeah. and i mean incredible musicians and the, the caliber of playing over there was just it was gobsmacking like we were just completely blown away and humbled and uh, you know it puts you in your place in a way yes just what you walk down to the pub and what's just going on locally in the pub is you know it's incredible so inspiring humbling and expiring uh, inspiring uh, canada look i've um i feel like i'm not on the scene so much because i'm never there so i'm a little bit out of touch but what i do see still the one thing that's consistent is um, you, there's incredible music coming out of Canada, but I think as far as a muso on the scene, that's all I can kind of speak about. Is people playing pubs. It seems to be a lot of the same bands playing in the same venues, so there isn't a lot of high turnover. So if you're yeah. a muso wanting to, you know, play four nights a week, three nights a week, whatever, you, it's kind of hard to get shows there. Yeah. I find because you know, so and so has got a residency every Tuesday night, and they've had that residency since before I moved here. And you're yes. still there, you know? So, and these are great places that you want to be able to play. So, 
I that was still going on a bit, and I remember feeling that when I left. Oh, geez, you know, a lot of there's a monopoly kind of on on the live music venues, and there's so many music venues, but there's so many musicians. So yeah, hard to get shows. I found it easier to get shows here. Yeah, and yeah. I still found the same when I went back that it was a little bit like that still, even though I was playing and did shows. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. When but, you when you first came here, you were sort of doing folk uh, style with the Geordie Lane too, wasn't it? Yeah, we did a country. That's right. I remember that was great. We had that chat in the city with you. Yeah, the Fireside Bellows, if I recall. That's right. And um, we were doing kind of a country folk duo thing with that. And um, yeah, look, I couldn't be luckier. I've met some really uh, wonderful people that have not only inspired me, but, you know, I think George taught me how to rap a lead. I didn't know how to rap a guitar lead when I first got here properly. Saw him recently, and he said, "Yeah, I taught you wrong too. I was doing it wrong for all those years, but um, you know, they've opened themselves up. They're open arms. Community radio has been great since since day one, playing my first album, and um, I just I couldn't, you know, it's not a yeah, it's competitive, but it's friendly, and people are, embrace each other and support each other, and uh, you know, you don't feel like you're kind of wrestling to get." to the next place everybody's right there with you you know so yeah embracing embraced by the community i guess i've always felt that here and uh, immediately more so than back home more back home i felt slightly more competitive perhaps not on a positive level yeah that's interesting interesting um so what are you going to do with this album i think you're going to launch it pretty soon we are we're going to launch it june 25th at bella union trades hall um in melbourne and we've got a Sydney duo, uh, Little Georgia. I'm not sure if you have you heard of them, Little Georgia. No, they're but I'm I'm coming to the uh, the record launch, so I'll see them there. Fantastic, yeah. They're they're going to open up the night, and um, they're great. And we wanted a band that wasn't from Melbourne, do something a little different. Yeah. So we're happy and uh, happy we've got them. And then we're going to do a tour. We've got about 15 dates lined up. Fantastic. And yeah, it's going to be great. So we're flying and driving, and as you do. So where, where are you taking it, Tracy? Where are you taking the uh, the launch on the 15 days? Yeah, well, we're going up to uh, – first we go to New South Wales and um, we're going to hit Sydney, do some a couple shows in Sydney and hit rural, you know, Maitland and Mayfield. And then I believe we are doing some regional shows and then we're off to Brisbane. So we're off to Queensland, Gold Coast and, uh, and then South Australia – more and more regional shows in Victoria. Yeah. So it's kind of a, a nice wide spread and um, haven't been to Perth yet. I'd like to get over there. Yeah. But maybe later in the year. See how we go. Yeah, well, that, um, I'm sure they're going to like the sounds uh, you people are producing. And um, as, as I said at the start of the interview, it's some uh, great material and I think um, it's going to be very well received yeah, around I the place. So. <laughs> Finds a way to land where you lie. Time allows me to steal you. But oh, how it flies. It's been good so far. It's been great so far. So we're just, uh, 
just excited to finally get out on the road and start playing it live. We're in rehearsal once a week now to get our to get the record sounding like it does <laughs> live. <laughs> you know, like we don't have Shane O'Mara and all his bag of tricks and his amazing pedals and, and well, things. Well, yeah, I was going to mention that he has a pedal problem, but um, I won't. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God! Well, you yeah, he's got a wall of pedals. He's got about two hundred pedals. So you just—it's like a candy store, you know. Yeah, I know. But, I know. I think he, he, you can get therapy for that. I think somewhere. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure you can. <laughs> I'm sure you can. But but and, and every pedal that we tried, we get finally get the the right one, and we go, oh, that's amazing! That's incredible! And it's like this six hundred dollar pedal that. Yeah. Okay. Do they make a cheap, you know, knockoff version of the same thing? No. So now, we've since bought a few pedals to try to get it. To, to kind of match the record, so it's good. Then you need a truck to carry them all around. I know, I know. Hopefully, uh, Qantas or Virginal, it'll, it'll come in our additional musician's allowance or whatever the hell it is. Oh, well, that, that'll be nice. And um, can you take your guitars on the plane? You can. We're going to have to. Oh, well, not in. No, no, not carry on. You're going to have to check them. It's always a bit of a stress. Right. But, uh, we, yeah, we'll check them. I'm not going to bring the Gibson. I think I'm going to bring a different one this time. So we go. Yeah, good luck. I mean, I interviewed Joe Bonamassa and he said, well, he buys a ticket for his guitar. <laughs> really? You know, I guess if you've got like a twenty, thirty thousand $30,000 guitar or something, you would. You just, you know, my, mine's dad's, my 68 Gibson Honey. That's my prized possession and it's there isn't a price on it really, especially now. No, so that's right. I don't want to fly with that. I usually do, but I want to put an end to that now. I'm feeling more so like that. So uh, he gave me a, an Alvarez guitar. As well, oh, yeah. it's also yeah. a beautiful guitar, but um, I might I might bring that. I'm looking for a road warrior, one yeah. that sounds great, but you're not going to be devastated if it, you know, falls apart. And forgive me if this is a dumb question, but you're still acoustic. You're still acoustic on the front. Uh yeah, yeah, yeah. You haven't um, like Liz Stringer put on the electric. Yeah, no, I haven't. I mean, I guess because. I've got two electric guitars in the band now. Yeah. Um, I bought an electric guitar last record and was kind of toying with the idea of playing electric and especially if I do any solo shows. And then that guitar, I just went, I just didn't work. Didn't I didn't get into it. And so it ended up being Luke's guitar. And then he really came to the forefront, you know, playing more guitar in the band. So, yeah, no. And now I quite like the acoustic coming through those two electrics. I love the sound of it. So yeah. I kind of miss it. Yeah, well, look, I think you need that. Acoustic was always a rhythm uh, instrument anyway, well, the early days. And um, you sort of need, need that crunchiness happening. Yeah. Um, look, again, uh, Tracy, great album, and um, we'll Thanks, certainly Bob. look forward to uh, catching you live at the at the launch. And um, I'm sure a lot of other people around the country um, will get along and um, really enjoy the sound of uh, Tracy McNeil on The Good Life. Oh, fantastic. Thanks a lot for um, for chatting. And I look forward to seeing you at the show. That's awesome. Yeah, no, we'll be there. So, um, look, uh, best of luck, and um, we, uh, we'll look forward to seeing you on the road. All right, awesome. Thanks, um, Tracy. Good chatting. All right. With a song, a simple tune that's climbing, but it won't be climbing long. Yeah, we've been uh, talking with uh, Tracy McNeil on the Solid Dog Blues and Roots. Going to go over the track, uh, The Valley, the one that started off this album. Talking about the Tracy McNeil and the Good Life's new album, Thieves. This track, The Valley. And uh, they're going to be, uh, the album's going to be out 1st of July, 2016. 
And uh, if you want to go to the uh, CD launches at the Bella Union uh, in Melbourne, Australia, Trades Hall, on uh, Saturday, June 25th. Stepping on And that helps you up There's a time to tune into The one who's listening There's a time to tune into Of the clouds beyond the edge In search for inspiration The songwriter's hedging her beds Shining a light into the dark of the valley floor The songwriter picks up a pencil And hums a tune behind closed doors Salty Dog, and I'm Tracy McNeil, and a good life.